0: Mac power users episode 300 the tables have turned hello and welcome my name is Mike Hurley and I am joined this week by my pal Stephen Hackett hey Stephen
1: hey Mike it's uh it's good to be here we have two very special guests on the show today for 300 episodes over seven years, they've been podcasting about hardware and software and the Apple ecosystem to get work done. We are joined, of course, by Mr. David Sparks, Miss Katie Floyd.
2: Hey, guys. Gosh, I didn't know what to do with myself there. I just sat quietly.
3: <laughs> I was sitting on my hands. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 300. Isn't that great? This is
0: quite an honor. I'm so happy that you asked us to do this, um, being a part of this episode, which is quite a monumental episode, 300 episodes of Mac Uses, 300 episodes of any podcast is crazy, especially when you guys are weekly as well. It's uh, it's quite an achievement and we're so happy that we get to be here today and, and we've got a whole host of questions. So a couple of weeks ago, you guys approached us and asked if we wanted to do this and me and Stephen were like, oh, of course we would. And we were thinking about, oh, let's uh, think about what the sort of stuff that we want to ask you. But we thought we'd also throw it out to the listeners and we would say to them you know please let us know if you have any questions we have been inundated with questions uh, over that's the good. last uh, maybe over the last week or so maybe two weeks um so pretty much the entire episode is going to be compiled of questions from your adoring fans well
2: that's exciting but that's also a little terrifying because david and i promised that we wouldn't peek at the questions so and for except for the few people who at replied us with their questions we we don't really know what's coming
0: Yeah, this was a big uh, thing that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. David and Katie didn't want to know anything, uh, which is good because we might get to surprise them a little bit um, throughout the episode. We've broken the questions down into three categories, um, and we're actually going to start with some meta questions about Mac Users, the show itself. So a few people asked this one, um, but I'm going to... Greg was the first person that I saw that that asked this, this question, and it's a little bit about your origin story again. So. David, I'm going to ask you from your perspective uh, first, how did you and Katie meet? And then how did you decide on working together on this show?
3: Um, Katie, I remember vividly meeting her in line for uh, the show for the Mackerel All-Stars in San Francisco. I don't know what year. I think it was 2006 um uh, but
2: 2007 there, i think you were there with that your was uncle. my first mac world yep
3: you were there with your uncle and um i had i had known her online we had a an e-lationship you know <laughs> it, uh, it was nice to finally meet her in person and we hit it off and the funny thing is we didn't talk about law at all even though we were the only two lawyers in the room and um we had a friendship starting from there so that that was really the genesis of the whole thing was um us getting out of cabs about the same time in san francisco
0: Katie, what was it that made what was it that made you guys decide that a podcast was what you wanted to do together? Like how long had you been friends for before this even came up?
2: Well, we had known each other for at least a year at Macworld or at least several months at Macworld. And I think the reason we decided to do a podcast is because everybody told us absolutely positively not to do a podcast because the world did not need yet another Mac podcast. Imagine that. (laughs) What what could you possibly podcast about? What could we possibly have to say that hadn't already been said? And we were friends with a lot of podcasters, a lot of the folks over at the Mac roundtable. We're still good friends with them. And you know, we thought that we had something interesting to contribute, but even at first, we we really didn't know what that was. And it it you know, the f- first episode of Mac Power Users was released in May, and MacWorld is in January, so that should tell you. You know, it it really took us some time to to figure out exactly what we wanted to do and the format that we wanted to do, because we knew above all things that we didn't want to do what other people had done. Anytime we started an idea with, well, what if it's kind of like this show, but that that was just a non-starter.
0: When you look back now, do you think that you ever could have expected it to go for 300 episodes, Katie? No. Was there ever a point where it became clear that it would continue or has you, you've kind of just stumbled into 300, Like, did you get to like episode 50 and you're like, this is, gonna last for as long as we like
2: well I'll, I'll tell you i i it really became we all joke that i never thought we'd make it past 10 episodes but it became clear to me very early on that we had something special uh, almost n- not quite but almost overnight mac power users was clearly successful and 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 it didn't rocket to success um but i think just the you know we put out our first podcast and you know kind of watching the stats that first day and it was already very successful by the standards that that i knew how to measure a, a podcast and just talking to my podcast friends and the experience that i had had with my previous show and then once we had kind of gotten past about the first dozen or so show, shows and got those under our belts and got some of the technicalities and the audio issues worked out And I got into a rhythm, I realized, yeah, we we really do kind of have something here.
3: Oh, ye of little faith.
2: (laughs) And I I think it filled a niche because I think, you know, I think we were we were covering something in a unique and different way. And we started getting quite a bit of feedback from our fans who were listening to the show. Uh, So I I think that was the secret of, of Mac Power users is that, you know, we filled a niche that wasn't available at that time. I think it was a unique format at that time.
3: I think it still is pretty unique format. Really. I mean, we, I was just thinking about this show today. This is the first, it took me 300 shows, but this is the first show I've done where I did zero preparation. I just showed up and I'm sitting here. I don't know what the questions are going to be or what's going to happen. Normally shows we do have hours, sometimes weeks of preparation behind them in terms of getting, you know, information correct and making sure we're sharing good stuff with the audience. We always wanted to be real high signal to noise ratio. And, um, uh, that is hard to do. And there aren't many shows like it out there. So I, I'm really, I'm really proud of it, but I, I really had no doubt that it would work. I never thought we'd have this kind of uh, success with the audience size. I thought it would be a couple geeks listening to us, but that never bothered me. But the, um, but in terms of being able to do the show for a long time, I feel like uh, it was never a question. Uh,
1: with, with 300 episodes under the belt, uh, a question we got uh, a lot and we'll credit it to James uh, in the show was how to keep it fresh and relevant after so many episodes. How do you approach that, David?
3: That That is what keeps me up at night. Honestly, I, am, I worry about that. I mean, I, I, whenever and there's listeners out there who I've met in real life, in fact, I was just in Florida last month and met a bunch of listeners that were telling me they had been in since show number one. And I said, well, are you still getting things out of it? Because I, I desperately want my long-term listeners to still feel like they're getting their money's worth. And, um, and by and large, I think we're succeeding, but it's, it's, you know, that is our challenge. I mean, cause we don't want it to become repetitive and the same thing over and over again. I mean, fortunately, because we've been doing it seven years, some of the stuff we covered six years ago is, is ready for a refresh because things have changed. Um, I think the workflow shows help as well, but um, uh, you know, we are always looking to keep, you know, kind of hungry and keep good content coming to the listeners. We never mail it in on the show.
0: Katie, how has the format kind of changed from the original idea, if at all?
2: Well, I think we've added to the format of the original idea. You know, the original idea was we would we would take a topic and and we would dive deep into it. You know, the the original infamous three hour email episode that we ultimately ended up splitting into show one and show two. And we still do those deep dives into episodes. In fact, you know, just episode two ninety nine, our last episode was a deep dive into Plex, and we still do those shows. But you know, we certainly expanded our our topics a little bit. You know, we famously added the work. Workflow shows. I don't know. Help me out, David. That was kind of like around show thirty or fifty or so somewhere, somewhere in there.
3: We were about a year in, and I was worried that all we were talking about was ourselves. I wanted to bring other voices in, and that so it was about. In fact, it was the it was a year later in January that I started stalking Merlin. So it was about a year afterwards.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and that those were great because the workflow shows allowed us to do a, a couple of things. Number one, certainly the workflow shows still are great preparation but they are not as deep and as intensive preparation as those shows were Um, so it allowed us to get a a little less prep which means we could do the show more often originally the show was on a uh, what do you call it a fortnightly schedule over there fortnightly
0: yep beautiful
2: (laughs) yeah they were on a fortnightly schedule um or i think and then uh, you know twice a month or something like that uh and then we had the workflow show. So then we started, you know, we got ambitious and then we started doing every week. And then we we still wanted something more because we, we were having all of this listener feedback, which was just amazing feedback. I mean, we've got incredible listeners. We've got f- listeners who are rocket scientists. We've got listeners who are brain surgeons. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating here. We've got incredible listeners to this show who are, are very vocal and, and are wonderful in the feedback that they give us. And we really wanted a way to be able to highlight that. But yet we also had so much other content we wanted to produce. So that was when we brought in the MPU Live and started adding that, we call it that bonus show a month. Sometimes it's a fifth show, sometimes it's a sixth show a month, depending on you know how the weeks fall. And honestly, those have turned out to be some of my favorite shows where we bring in kind of a guest to do kind of a mini workflow for the first 20 minutes or so. And then the rest of the show is completely dictated by listener feedback and listener questions. And I love those shows because it kind of gives us a little potpourri of all types of different topics that we, we kind of try to group together. But I don't know where that show's going to go. I just put it together and the listeners tell me what direction to go.
1: <laughs> Katie, do you have a favorite episode that jumps out at you?
2: You know, it's you're like asking me to to pick from my children. There, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to pick any one favorite. I you know, I have a handful of episodes that I think were really great. Like you know, for example, I really enjoyed the Plex show that we did last week. Uh, that was a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, and I I think we did a a really good job with it. Um, I think some of the email shows have been particularly good. I think some of the paperless shows have been great, but then we've also had some, some great workflow guests. Um, you know, one of the highlights for me is, you know, I kind of thought we had made it when we got Jason Snell on our show for the very (laughs) first time. That was cool. And, you know, now we're on a podcast network with, with Jason. So, you know, those are kind of a couple or of a handful of my favorites, but it'd be really tough to go through the, the back catalog of 300 and pick any (laughs) one.
1: That's fair. Um, what about you, David? Anything jump out at you?
3: I uh, like Katie, it is tough because there's so many great ones, and I really like the diversity of our workflow guests. I mean, we've had everyone from Hollywood, you know, stars and producers to to nerdy, you know, doctors, and um, I, I'm very proud of that. So I, I would say that the the diversity of the workflow shows is, is something I'm really, I really I think I like about the show. I, uh, um, One of my favorite shows was the one I called Cooking Ideas a couple years ago, where I just talked about my workflow, yep. about how I use um outlines and mind maps to kind of plan things out. And that show was years ago. And I still get emails often from people who say, you know what, that show just changed the way I do everything. And thank you. And that, whenever, you know, you made an impact that that stands out.
0: Paul wanted to know if you guys could start again or if you had to start again. Would you give the show a different name, and if so, what would it be, Katie?
2: I really like the power users part of the show uh, name because I think it's it's very aspirational. I think if we had to do it all over again, and I I think keep in mind part of the limitation we had when naming the show is is the domain available. Um, <laughs> even even back then. <laughs> I I think if I had to do it all over again, I might have left Mac out of the name. You know, back back then when we started the show, the iPad was not a thing. the The iPhone had been around for a year or so, but it we weren't we, we didn't know how explosive that was going to be. I mean, the iPod was still a very big deal. So I I think if I had to do it all over again, I I might have taken Mac out of the name and just focused more on power users somehow. But you know. I kind of I think we might have even checked that domain and I don't think powerusers.com was available. And and you also have to be a little bit careful just kind of inside baseball. Apple allows you to use the word Mac in podcast names but you you can't use for example we couldn't have a a podcast named iOS power users or iPhone power users or things like that. And and there may be people who do and they kind of fly under the radar but um mm-hmm. you know certain of those those phrases Apple has um trademark you know you, you can't use.
0: David, where did the battery logo idea come from? I know that uh, the battery Darren, has been something that has been prevalent in your artwork for a long time. And I know when we were talking about, um, you guys coming to relay, the battery was something you both really wanted to see very prominently on the artwork again.
3: Yeah. We, um, you know, the, uh, the guy who did the logo, the original logo, which was brilliant is Darren Rolfe, uh, a fellow Brit, uh, he's just a super nice guy. Um, he used to do a podcast and I forget the name of it now, but it was, uh, I think it was called Mac Wingnut or something like that.
2: Yeah. That was and, his you know, pen name. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He was very busy. He's got, he's got a daughter and just a graphic artist. And I think, uh, Katie and I had told him we want something with a battery because it just seemed to make sense for, you know, Mac power users and, you know, spark with a name like sparks, you know, kind of the <laughs> energy theme runs through my life. But the, um, but it, Darren is the one who made it look so great. And, um, and that's how we got started with that. And we kind of feel like it's part of the show now. We we want to keep it. Yeah.
2: And Gene McDonald really likes it and told us we had to go back to the battery.
3: you got to do what Gene
0: says. You yeah, I learned that boss. a long time ago. Uh, what, Katie, what made you guys start to want to have guests on the show? Like, was it something that you guys kind of fell into or was it a conscious decision that you made?
2: Um, well, we definitely knew that we wanted to expand the show. We wanted the show to be more than just David and I talking. I think if we hadn't expanded into the workflow shows, uh, that the show wouldn't have had the longevity or the success that it has seen. Because David and I can only talk for so long about so much. I mean, contrary to popular belief. Uh, and we only have so many workflows. I mean, so if we had to talk about our workflows for 300 episodes, they would start to get you know, repetitious after a while. And I think the idea was we wanted to bring in smart people who were using their Macs and iOS devices in interesting ways that perhaps were ways that were different from us. We, we wanted people, um, you know, to open new ideas and to bring new perspectives into things and to tell us, you know, how they were doing things differently. Um, Merlin was just, you know, kind of the obvious first ep- uh, episode guest. It, he made a lot of sense. But, you know, I think we've had a great variety of guests on the show that have brought some new perspectives. And I really like it when our guests disagree with us or when our guests bring totally different workflows and talk about apps that, that we don't use. I mean, David and I tend to talk a lot about the same apps because those are the apps that we use and and that we love in our workflows. And I think those guests can bring very different perspectives.
3: And sometimes the guests, you know, bring us over to their side, which is great. Mm.
0: I've got to say, I mean, I've been interviewing people for like five or six years, and I greatly envy your guest list. Like, the, the, just the, you mentioned it earlier, David, the diversity and the breadth of people that you guys have had on this show. It's a who's who of the Apple or Mac community, but it goes so much further than that. Um, like, you know, we're talking like real rocket scientists and a real Hollywood actors and, you know, and you mentioned like producers and comedians. It's really been incredible to see how that's evolved over the years.
3: You know, the funny thing about that is we don't really um, reach out to many people. It's it, most, most of them reach out to us. And, um, and that says something for the show. I'm very proud of that fact. And, um, but, and even then the other thing that we don't tell people that, uh, you know, kind of the back end of this is all, We don't accept everybody that reads, writes us. We've had some people write us who a lot of people would know who have are are fairly famous. But then when we start talking to them, we find out that, no, they really don't. They really aren't Mac power users to the extent they're going to have an hour and a half of content to share and help people get better at their stuff. And, you know, we're not interested in that. We want we want to bring content. Um, And so that's 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 kind of a back end thing that we've never shared before. But it happens
2: and i think we've over the years we've we've also tried to get a little better about vetting people too. I mean, sometimes we we, we have had, uh, you know, we're not naming names, but maybe something that David and I go, eh, it didn't quite go quite as we expected. It went off the rails a little bit. But, you know, we, we definitely have kind of started a process of, you know, we, we want to investigate things and, you know, kind of doing a little little pre-interview with people and trying to get a little more diversity and a little, um, you know, both in the types of people and in the workflows that we're featuring.
1: David, do you have any anything that comes to mind as far as a, a workflow or a tool that a guest has brought on uh, to the show that has really made a big impact in the way that you work as an individual?
3: Uh, so many. I mean, I've learned from so many of our workflow guests over the years. I mean, uh, um, the uh, we've had a lot of guests recently talking about um Dev and Think, and I'm I'm seriously considering folding that into my date my day job in a big way right now. I'm testing it. Um, that's probably the current one, but um, we've also had a lot of workflow guests just give us little ideas. I mean, we did that show with Sean Blanc recently. I think I took a couple nice tips out of that show that um, aren't really necessarily software driven, but just kind of general productivity uh, driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned a lot. I mean, I, I really I mean, part, part of the, the joy of Mac Power Users for me is both the listeners that write in and the guests that come on the show uh, have as much to share, if not more than Katie and I do. And that that's really a, a blessing.
1: Do you guys have um, an idea, sort of like the ultimate Mac power users guest?
3: Oh man, um, you know I'll tell you. Can I tell you? There's a couple that I've been trying like crazy to get on the show, and uh, yeah, if anybody out there knows them. <laughs> 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 um, there's not really an ultimate guest because in my my feel, everybody kind of brings something different, and uh, like one of the ones I am I've been. I've been emailing and trying to get forever. My white whale is Michael Giacchino, who does um, all the soundtracks for a bunch of the Pixar movies and Batman and everything else. And um, very prolific. And I'm told he's a big Mac geek. And um, I'd love to get him on the show. I've reached out to his agent. And, you know, I'm just a podcaster, so so I'm not getting the response. Now, Katie, I know who your white whale is, too, because I know you've reached out to him. So I'll let you share that one.
2: Well, I don't know. I, I don't know who you're going to say, but I, I will say that I did stalk LeVar Burton at that um, Macworld that he was at a couple of years ago. And, um, security might have been called.
3: <laughs> David, is that who you would have said? Uh, well I thought she I thought she was gonna say because I know at one point she was actively trying to get Waz. Yeah,
2: I've I have I have reached out to Waz um a couple of times about that. You know, um I don't know, maybe maybe Wesley would make a good guest, Will Wheaton. I know he's a Matt geek, but um I might end up just telling him to shut up.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get let out a little of that trademark Katie anger.
3: <laughs> no, the the funny thing is for the ideal guest, it, it's somebody who can bring something good to the audience and um And there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people that you've never heard of that couldn't do that. And that's why I think there's, you know, hopefully going to be a show six hundred.
2: Yeah. And I know some people in the chat room are mentioning, you know, what about Tim Cook or, or people at, at Apple? You know, I thought John Gruber did a, a great job. He's had some Apple executives on the show recently. You know, notably, he had that talk show with Phil Schiller. I, I would certainly be open to having some of the Apple execs on on our show. But, you know, I'm not sure that we'd really get a true workflow interview out of them. I mean, I think they'd tell us about how great the specific Apple products are and we'd kind of get the the PR pitch from them. I mean, do you really think an Apple exec is going to tell us about all their, I mean, I hope, hopefully they would, but, um, you know, like all I about hate the th- using
0: pages. I love using word <laughs> right?
2: or all the little third party apps that they're using to get around all of the, the annoyances with, with Mac and iOS. But, but if anybody at Apple PR would, would like to set something up, you know, email us feedback at macpowerusers.com. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right, we have uh, the the biggest selection of questions that we have are naturally uh, dedicated to delving into your own workflows in a little bit more detail than you may have already gone into in the last 300 episodes. I was surprised we had so many questions. Um, I would have thought that they would have all been answered by now. Uh, But we do want to just take a quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode. Um, But this one is kind of like this show, been turned on its head a little bit. And Smile wanted to actually take a moment to thank you guys.
4: Hi, I'm Philip Goward, co founder of Smile. Speaking for the whole team, we'd like to congratulate Katie and David on their 300th episode of Mac Power Users. And we'd like to thank them for their long term support of Smile. Katie and David are amazing people. We've met them on many occasions at Macworld and WWDC. It's always a pleasure to see them live and in action. They network, share insights, and give their time generously. We love the way they nurture our beloved Mac community. All this, and they still manage to produce their top quality podcast once a week. Quite the accomplishment. Our sponsorship of MacPower users is a great partnership. We're thrilled that Katie and David talk about how they use PDF, Pen, and Text Expander in their daily work. They're also passionate advocates for their listeners, sending us your feedback. This provides valuable guidance for improving our apps. Thank you, Katie and David, for all that you do. And thanks to your listeners for their unwavering support. To learn more about PDF Pen and Text Expander, please visit smilesoftware.com/slash MPU.
3: You know, I think it's so nice that they did this for us and, and we have a very warm place in our heart for the our friends at Smile. They they truly are our friends. These are people that you know we go out and eat with and enjoy talking to about things other than Mac software. But uh, they, they're just a great company full of just wonderful people. They're the ones who first came to us and said, you should have sponsorships on the show. And Katie and I looked at our heads and scratched. And we're like, we don't even know. We never even really thought much about that. And then we asked them, well, how much should we charge you? How <laughs> <Charge you. laughs> oh, exactly fair. would
0: that work? Yeah, so. I once had a very similar conversation with Greg. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. So it's its really, uh, they're, I mean... I just really can't understate how wonderful the people at Smile are. And they were the very first ones that believed in our show. So thank you, Smile, for all of your support over the years.
2: Right. And I think, obviously, while we want to say thank you to Philip and Greg and, and everyone currently at the Smile team, we also do have to give a, a shout out to Jean McDonald, who has been with Smile for years and has now gone off to um, AppCamp for Girls, which is another wonderful organization that uh, David and I and our listeners have done a tremendous service uh, supporting AppCamp for Girls. Um, but Jean was really the one who uh, we worked with a lot in the, in the early years and has been a, a true friend to both David and I and as well as to Mac Power users. So, you. You know, honestly, I think without Gene and without Smile, there there may not have been a Mac Power users um, as long as there's been because uh, I think that was one of the things that really motivated us to keep going. So thank you to them.
0: The first of our workflow based questions comes from Raish. Uh, Raish would like to know what is your workflow that you guys go through together from the moment where you have an idea for a show to when it airs. So. How do you sh- share ideas together? How do you grow the ideas and plan them out? Like, what does that look like? Katie O'Connell, kind of start with you from your perspective. How does that process start to begin up until the point where the show goes out?
2: Well, if you want the hour and a half answer to this, um, I can refer you to a show that we did um, called Podcasting the How and the Why uh, actually two shows. And then I think we talked a little bit about this on episode 200. So I'll just kind of give you the, the thumbnail sketch here, but I'll refer you back to to those two shows if you want more information. Um, David and I have, have switched our, our workflow over in the last 200 or so shows to uh, Google Docs. And that's worked very well for us. So, you know, we kind of have a, a running document of Things that we'd like to talk about at some point, whether we can talk about them now, whether we are waiting for something before we can talk about them. And then we also kind of have a running list of guests that we'd like to have on the show. Maybe guests that we can have now, guests that we may may want to contact in the future because they've got something happening in the future. Um, And so that's kind of one of the places where we go to pull ideas from. So when we say we're adding it to the list, that's the famous list that we're talking about. And then, of course, we just have inspiration that strikes us and we decide, well, how about we do a show on this? And the other one says, that sounds great. And generally, whoever's idea it was or whoever's more interested in it than the other um, is the one who takes the first crack at the infamous Mac Power user's outline. And so we start outlining the show. And Google Docs. And it's, it's really a collaborative effort. Usually someone takes a first pass at it and then the other one goes through and, um, you know, starts filling in the blanks. And really we'll noodle on the outline for for several days and, and fill in points. Uh, and then we'll record the show. And after the show gets recorded, we, um, we record what are called double enders, which means I take my individual audio file and David's individual audio file. And if there are any timestamps, because there are any edit points in the show, like for this particular one, I know that, you know, at a certain timestamp, I've got to insert the smile ad. If there were um, anything else that happened in the show, we'll send those along with a, a list of any edits to um, our editor, Mark Miles, who's been with us for several years editing the show. Um, and we will we have a transporter workflow that we use for that. So we upload the individual sides of the conversation along with a master track to mark, and he gets the show edited, sends us back an m p three um usually I do some of the most of the logistics with the with the posting. I listen to the m p three and craft the show notes and then um David and I kind of take a stab at links, but we've also been very fortunate that probably about seventy five percent of our episodes uh we have listener volunteers um and j t has done the bulk of them uh put together show notes for us. So they go through and they um, help put us together and, and craft show notes for the show. And um, I'll go through typically on a Sunday night before the show posts and, you know, tweak those and, and make sure that everything is just right. And then the show will go live. There's probably more information than you wanted.
0: No, oh, that was perfect. David, is there anything you wanted to add?
3: No, I I do think it's, it's fun. Uh, to me, the funnest part, one of the funnest parts is, is the planning and we don't have like a set workflow for how we decide what we're going to do. Katie and I talk on the phone, we talk on Skype, we, uh, we text message each other and we email each other. And it's just funny, a variety of places, you know, you come up with ideas. Sometimes I'll just be sitting somewhere eating a taco and think of a great show and I'll just text it to Katie and she'll say, great, sounds good. Let's do it. You know? And, um, the other thing I would add to that is sometimes the shows take a lot more than a couple of days. So we've got outlines now that have been in our folder now for a couple of months for shows we're planning that just need a little more cooking. So um, it really is, you know, the process varies.
2: One of the things I have to be mindful of is if I get an idea, you know, first thing in the morning, I got to think, Ooh, I probably can't text this to David right now because it's like 3 a.m. his time.
1: <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's a little look at how Mike and I work. We have that same problem. I never yeah. care, though. I just send them to him anyway. It's true. It's why, it's why uh, Apple gave us Do Not Disturb. Uh, D- David, you made a joke about sitting and eating a taco. Uh, I-, I can see you having a taco and a bolt of lightning hitting you for a show topic. Um, w- how are some other ways that topics happen? Do you guys keep a list of future stuff? Is it something that just kind of comes up with the news or how does that process look for you?
3: Well, I'm always looking, you know, I mean, that question you asked earlier about, you know, how do you keep it fresh after 300? So uh, it's always in the back of my mind. Would this be something that would be worthwhile of our audience? And uh, Katie and I both have day jobs. So we're out, you know, pounding the pavement like everybody else. And you run into things all the time there that give you inspirations. Uh, Sometimes I'll just be, um, you know, hearing somebody else talk about something they do. And I'll say, hey, that's somebody we want to have on the show. Um, I guess I would just say my radar is always on for some idea that would make a good show
1: what about what about you katie a similar similar approach of just things come up or do you have something a little more regimented
2: well i I have a very regimented process of kind of following the news you know i've i kind of the first thing in the morning I do is I get up and i 'm you know keeping track of r s s things and you know going through all my blog posts and those types of things. And and like David, my my radar is always up. So if I see somebody doing something interesting, you know, many of our workflow guests or many of our show topics have come from inspiration of things that other people have, have done. You know, what is trending now? If I see someone who has posted on a topic that's particularly interesting, you know, that might be someone that I reach out to and, and, you know, forward the post to David and say, you know, what do you think about this for, you know, either coming on for a 20-minute segment as a guest on a MPU Live or if it's if it's a big enough thing, you know, maybe inviting them on for a, a full on, you know, show. So you know, or what? Are, what's kind of trending? What are what are people talking about on on Twitter? Or what what are the pain points in my own life? Um, so those those are just kind of things that we're we're talking about.
1: You guys spoke a little bit about the the outline process and the process of preparing for a show, and um, I know as someone who has a couple of shows and as a listener of a bunch of podcasts that that sort of uh homework that sort of research going into it really pays off and i think you can see that over the course of mpu of having a lot of well thought out shows where um you know you guys are are attacking uh, a subject or or interviewing a guest from all sorts of different uh types of angles but but katie my question for you is once once all that's done and it's you know, it's about time to record. Do you do you have any uh, pre show rituals that you that you go through that, to help kind of set the stage when it's time to record?
2: So I, after we do all the prep work for the guest, you know, after the outline's done and we've done kind of all the the homework, just just yeah. getting ready to record. Exactly. Um, you know, not not really. I guess the. Obviously, you've got all the bells and whistles on the computer that you turn off. You know, you want to make sure that the Dropbox isn't uploading and that the backblaze is paused and that kind of stuff, so that you you get a clean recording. Based on our schedule, the the way that we tend to record right now is um, really right after work for me. So I'm kind of you know tires squealing into the garage, and I'm maybe home for you know, 15 minutes before we get on mic. So my pre-show ritual is, you know, maybe grab a bottle of water and a, a cliff bar and then and then come in and, and start recording. Um, so no, not really. Um, unfortunately, that's probably not the answer you were looking for. Nothing special.
1: <laughs> what about you, David? I am, um,
3: I, I put on authentic looking Jedi robes and I take a shot of Jack Daniels and then I'm ready.
0: I believe that. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, dear. uh, Listener David, uh, which is confusing. uh, Listener David wanted to know about y'all's approach to organizing and interacting with links. I'm sure with the show preparation, you guys are looking at a lot of blog posts, a lot of articles, uh, tweets, that sort of thing. Uh, David, do you have a, a go-to workflow for organizing uh, all of these URLs and links as you prepare for a show? The, um, you know, it's,
3: it's not really that fancy. In, in Google Docs, you can link a, a subject if you want. You know, you can create a link or you can just paste the link into it. Um, you know, I'm constantly in Google Docs. I share Mike's pain about Google Docs and the iPad. I don't understand why I can't have split screen Google Docs because it wouldn't be so much better if I did. Um, but you know, I put links in there and then, uh, thanks to all the hard work you guys have done over relay, we have a little magic button on our, um, in Safari where we can tap it and the currently, uh, activated website will be added as a show note. And, um, so it really doesn't need to be that difficult. So I just make sure I've got links to them in the outline so I can get the pages open while we're doing the show. I, uh, I open it in background tabs as we do the show, which is, you know, kind of nice way to jump between them and by the time we're done recording uh or even after we get done recording because one of the secrets for me has been not trying to do show notes while we talk because then the show the actual talking gets worse Uh, so a lot of times i'll wait till the show's over and then i'll just go through all the tabs and push my little bookmarklet from relay and that will um put all the you know put all those websites into the show notes so it it really doesn't have to be that difficult for 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 what we're doing
1: Gotcha uh katie what about what about outside the show uh listener David mentioned uh pinboard, but uh, is there a service or something else you go to for kind of organizing links for things not magpower users
2: um well i I use reader and or, or mr reader I use reader on the iPhone and mr reader on the, the iPad for all of my r s s And so for my, for short-term, you know, saving of files, you know, I just use the star system. So I'm going to star something. Um, and then I have a, and, and that will stay starred for about a week or so. And that's what I used to do on my um, you know, week in review blog post. I just go through everything that I've starred for the week. And those are candidates for week in review. And then I've got a, if this, then that rule that will say anything that is, is starred, you know, send to my pinboard account or send to my Instapaper account. So that's kind of how I, I keep track of all that stuff. Uh, we actually do have a, a pretty interesting workflow that we've developed for MPU live because that stuff that we're getting in, um, sometimes audio comments, sometimes links, sometimes app reviews, sometimes recommendations from the listeners. And we've created an interesting workflow to organize all of that through Evernote. And the way that David and I have organized that is we've set up a shared Evernote document that any and all of that feedback comes in through through email primarily. So, anytime we get that via email, we forward it or save it to a specific Evernote folder. Um, and then, when we're prepping the live show, that's what we go through and um, use as creating an outline for the Mac Power users live show. And then, once we've covered a topic, it gets deleted out of the, the Evernote notebook.
3: Yeah. And the, the trick to that is you blind copy it to the Evernote secret email address and just put the the notebook title in the subject line so when you're responding to the listener you're actually setting up the feedback in one you know fell swoop as they say and we tried a lot of different methods leading up to that and since we started doing that we have not even been interested in other methods it's one of those things that just solves the problem
0: so you guys have been going for seven years right this show has been around um, since pretty much the beginning of ios devices before they were even called ios devices yeah so i was interested to know david what has been some of the biggest changes to your own personal computer setup over the last seven years what are the devices or the single device that's made the biggest impact
3: oh man they've multiplied that's one thing you know, <laughs> when we started this you you had uh, maybe a desktop and a laptop and you didn't really even consider a phone, a computing device. I know the iPhone was out then, but it still was, you know, this is the days before apps. Um, so we, uh, or I guess it was just after apps had shown up, but either way, um, you know, it, the whole world has been turned upside down with the mobile revolution. And, and I do a lot more on mobile devices now than I ever thought I would. If you ask me what's changed the most, uh, maybe it just depends on what point in time you're asking. I am. Um, For a while, I would have said the retina screen kind of revolution changed everything because I think it's really super that these screens are so sharp and crisp now. Um, Now, I think it's it's the multiples. uh, It's the mobile stuff. And I mean, right now I'm because the iPad Pro is so new, I'm finding all sorts of ways to get work done off an iPad that wasn't just wasn't possible to me a while back. So that's changing things. I guess that's part of the, the draw of all this is that everything is always in motion. I don't know what it'll be in six months from now either, you know, and that's that's exciting.
0: What about you, Katie? Can you think of a device or devices that have made a big impact to you?
2: Well, I you know, I think the biggest change is that it, I, I'm just using my Mac so much less and relying so much more on iOS devices just for everyday computing. I mean, there are days when I come home from work and I don't touch my Mac. Huh. You know, I, I, I had a day last week where my Mac was in my, my backpack and I just left it in my car. And I, you know, I freaked out the next morning going, where is my Mac? I don't know <laughs> where it is. And I was like, Oh, I never bothered to take it out of the car last night. Um, <laughs> and, and that's huge, you know, just the moving and the reliance. And, you know, I will always have a Mac. I'll always be a truck person, I guess, uh, to, to take Steve Jobs, uh, phrase, but, um, I, I love that these iOS devices are getting more powerful, and that they really, you know, can be used as as full fledged computing devices for a lot of people or for a lot of situations.
0: And Katie, can you think of maybe an app or a service uh, rather than just a device that has made a huge impact?
2: Uh, you know, it depends. Are you talking about for work or for play or or for for what are we talking about? Um, you know, in in talks in terms of just you know productivity, services that have made a huge impact. I mean, when you talk about the the span of Mac Power users, Dropbox was in its infancy when when Mac Power users came out. And and so the whole syncing world has changed dramatically dramatically. During that time, I mean, you know, just having the ability for our apps and our settings to sync via Dropbox has been huge. You know, it's now it's not a big deal anymore to have a a Mac on your desk and a a laptop in your bag because syncing files has used to be this this huge problem. And and now it's it's really a non-issue between iCloud or Dropbox or any of the other services. You know, syncing is just kind of a solved problem now.
0: What about you, David? Any apps or services that jump to mind?
3: Um, uh, two that come to my mind are, um, the read it later services, starting with Instapaper, I think was a, just a huge deal for me because the internet's overwhelming and this allowed me to kind of create my own magazine every week. Um, I wish I had more time to read and I wish I wasn't so, um, there's two parts of me. One part of me thinks I can read everything because I keep marking things for read it later. And the other part of me <laughs> doesn't have time to read anything. <laughs> so I really like that. The, the other one that, um, and this is a sponsor. So, you know, full disclosure, but SaneBox, the the whole, you know, email has been such a problem with the success of the show and some of the other stuff I'm doing. I get a lot of email and I could literally just go, I could go broke if I just spent my time answering the email that I get in the way it deserves to be answered. But um Samebox has just been really helpful and last year I got a sick and Samebox really bailed me out then too so um that is a service for someone who has a high um email uh, input that is a service that really is is game changer I never would have thought such a thing could exist you know 7 years ago
1: uh, and talk kind of jumping off that discussion of apps and services and and hardware um Katie, what sort of workflows or systems that you're currently using uh, do you still wrestle with or still consider pain points that you would like to to maybe see addressed this year?
2: Oh, geez. Um, it, you know, I'm not real sure what's going on with Evernote. That's that's a question that I have in, in the back of my mind. I, I love Evernote. I'm, I'm a big Evernote user i've i've got so much invested in evernote but i think it's something that i don't want to say that i rise to the level of concern but i will say it's something that i'm actively watching and being mindful of so uh, because i've got a lot invested in a lot of data in evernote so uh, that's something that i'm i'm keeping an eye on because that service is something that has maybe gotten a little more difficult to use and and hasn't matured quite that as I would have liked to see it over the years. Um, And, you know, I'm just, so that's, that's probably a big one.
3: What about you, David? I think that um, iOS um, automation is not where it should be. And part of that is, I think, limitations placed by Apple. And part of it is, you know, I'm not digging deep enough. So I'd, I'd like to get better at that and see that stuff improve because, The iOS devices aren't getting powerful enough now that we can use them in a lot of ways we haven't. But there are certain things I can do on a Mac that just cannot be done on iOS. And I'd like to kind of explore those boundaries as we go forward.
0: This next question comes up from Mark. Mark wants to know, how do you manage to balance kind of your busy work and your real work? Katie?
2: I guess I'm not sure what busy work versus versus real work is. Did did Mark have any examples?
1: <laughs> the um,
0: way that I took the way that I took from this is kind of like the stuff that you really should be doing and the stuff that you kind of do.
1: Right? Um so-
2: well i I kind of try to to divide my my time and attention it, into you know there's there certain things that you just have to do. you have to get through them no matter no matter what, but you know we all have kind of these these low bandwidth type tasks you know are there things that I can do while i'm doing something else are there things that I can do when i'm tired you know I find that if i've got you know, something that I'm not really looking forward to or something that's difficult, I'm best if I tackle it right off first thing in the morning. Um, So I I do a lot of those types of things. You know, I I typically go into the office about eight o'clock or so, and I'm an early riser. So I typically get up and tackle those things, you know, first thing in the morning. And then, you know, the busy work I can kind of let sit until the afternoon and evening. You know, maybe those are things that don't quite require my full time and attention, you know, so when I'm a little bit tired or a little bit more distracted, if if that's if that's kind of what he's what he's asking.
0: So anything jump to mind for you, David?
3: Um, well, You know, I, I guess the um, be aware of when you're doing busy work and ask yourself if there's any way that you can use your technology or somebody else or some other method to get that off your desk so you can get back to the real work. I mean. I think one of the challenges we all face is is letting the busy work overwhelm us. I I mean I look at a busy work as an alarm bell. I want to get that stuff out of my life as soon as I can. But um, I I don't really have the answer. But that's one of the goals of our show, frankly, is <laughs> to teach you, um, some methods that you can use to get rid of some of the busy work.
0: Now, 2015 was a pretty monumental year for both of you, as there's been some pretty profound changes to the your own working setups you know david uh you went independent um and left your law practice and katie you've kind of you've become a partner right in, in a law practice and you're thinking very differently about the way that you work as well has these big changes in your lives changed your habits at all katie i'll start with you
2: Um, Well, I will say, and I don't know how David feels about this, but um, Mac power users and, and having some of the security and the stability of that is one of the things that allowed me to make that jump. You know, I would not have made that jump without Mac power users. You know, both from some of the stability that it offers, but also from some of the skills that I learned from Mac Power users and from our guests and from our listeners and, and from David. You know, um, you know, I'll admit that David, you know, leaving his day job and staking it out on, on his own was a big inspiration to me uh, to say, you know what, I, my situation hasn't been great for a while and it's time for me to do something new, too. And so, with my new position, um, it, it's scary, you know, to to be out there and you know uh, not have a, a steady paycheck and a salary that that you can depend on, but that just me and it, but it also brings a little more flexibility. You know, I could leave the office early to come, you know, record this podcast with you guys and I can set my own schedule and I can take the cases and the clients that I want. But that also means that, you know, I need to step up my game a little bit too. I need to work more efficiently. I need to rely more on myself than perhaps on, on, on staff that I may have had access to at, at the other place. So yeah, I, I definitely have, have looked at things differently and, um, you know, have, have worked differently but I think it's all been in a very positive way.
0: What about you, David?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a roller coaster year for me and uh, I'm so happy that I did it. Um, you know, no hard feelings of the old folks, but it was time for me to move on. And um, I'm still figuring it out. I feel like in 2015, I gave too much time to the, um, to the, the log gig and not enough to Mac power users. And max Sparky endeavors i didn't get a field guide i did some video field guides but i didn't get an actual book field guide published last year which was a disappointment and um and you know so i'm using the workflows and everything else we talk about on the show and um trying to get that balance a little better this year and finding ways that i can make it work so i can spend a little bit more time on max Sparky. so uh you know like everybody out there we're all trying to struggle with these these things but uh the nice thing I have is the ability to openly, you know, th- the open therapy of doing it on the mic every week and talk about it. And I, like I said earlier, I got these really super smart people. And sometimes I'll mention something on the show and I'll hear something from a listener that's a great idea to solve a problem that I'm dealing with. So it's, you know, the the benefits just keep rolling in.
1: Listener Kobe was wondering if you guys uh, sit down each week and do a GTD uh, review. I know, David, you talked a lot about uh, Omnifocus, or uh, well, you both have, but um, is that something that's still part of your schedule, David?
3: Absolutely. And in fact, I've the way I think I've mentioned this on the show because I don't want to get overwhelmed with a weekly review. I have uh, with Omnifocus, you can set review the periods at any length so you can have it be a day or two or you know six months or a year. So I when I set up new projects, I'm very careful about looking at the review frequency for them. And so I have every day three or four show up for review and I find time during the day to review those projects. And that way I never get overwhelmed because there's just a few at a time. And, um, and it really helps me feel like I'm on top of things. If I let reviews pile up and don't do them, uh, I always feel like I'm blowing it somewhere and I usually am. So it, it's a, it's a very useful, um, technique.
1: What about you, Katie? Has that changed for you in uh, the job transition?
2: I don't do reviews daily like David does, um, but I definitely do them at least weekly, uh, and sometimes a little more often depending on when things come up. Because I've got my my stuff similarly to David, I've got it set up where not every project comes up for review on a specific week. I, I try to stagger them out so that some things may only come up for a review once a month or once every two months, depending on, on what's going on with them. But yeah, I do try to do a weekly review. And then I also kind of try to do and, and David I think had a great blog post on this, which is kind of what got me on in this practice, kind of like a, a Friday check in. Um, you know, Friday before I leave the office, I try to set some time aside to to clear the decks and really see, you know, what can I do to clear you know clear my desk and and start the week off next week right you know so i'm not worrying with things lingering over and as a result i kind of try to keep at least my friday afternoons you know pretty clear so that i can wrap up any lingering projects um and 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 focus on wrapping things up for friday and then prepare to to set monday off right
0: And Dominico would like to know, uh, what productivity or workflow advice do you give that you have trouble implementing yourself? David, is there anything uh, that, that you give out that, you know, you maybe you don't follow your own advice on?
3: Can I take my own medicine? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a Wait, good one. Wait, can I one. answer that I,
2: question for David?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, no. what a great idea. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I, uh, email has been a struggle for me the last year between getting sick and starting a new business. I have not um, been as responsive to emails as I've been in the past. Um, so I guess that'd be one that I could definitely work on. But that's what Katie was going to say, too.
4: Yes,
0: it was. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, uh, is there anything that pops to mind for you?
2: Uh, email has also been a, a struggle for me. Um I think you have to figure out when to defer your email and, and what has to get what you have to get back to quickly. I, I tend to let things sit in that same later folder a little longer than I would I would like to. So um, email and and being on top of my GTD practice are definitely definitely things that I would give myself about a B on and and I would like to kick my grades up a little better.
0: All right, I think it's time that we take our second sponsor break for this week's episode, um, and that is 1Password. And Katie, would you like to tell our listeners about 1Password?
2: Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about 1Password, but I'd also tell, like to tell you, a little bit about the people behind One Password. You know, David and I originally um, met Dave and Rusim at at MacWorld. I think it was at the original MacWorld where we met, and and these guys were sharing a table that was about the size of a pizza. You know, a large pizza, and I think they had was it a quarter of it, David? Maybe. Um, yeah, and, and they were yeah, in it was right
3: what, behind it was, the Apple booth. Yeah,
2: yeah right behind she, the Apple I, booth. Yeah in a place that was called Tiny Town or or affectionately known as Tiny Town and Macworld. And it was these two guys and they had this app and it was 1Password, but I don't think that they were missing a vowel at that point. They didn't have the full Mm -hmm. 1Password. Um, It was 1Password spelled funny, but they had a great idea and they were just so excited about it. And we met with them and we talked with them and... They were just, they were, they were the night. Well, they're Canadians, so of course they were the nicest people, um, and they were just inf- infectiously passionate about their app, and and that made us passionate about their app. Too, um, and then they are just going strong. You know, they've they ended up hiring an amazing team of people. You know, they've got a couple of dozen people on their team now, spread out across the country, uh, across the world, really, and and some just amazing, really smart, really talented people that are working with them. Um, and you know, when when they heard that Smile started sponsoring our show and started advertising on our show. Um, We got a – I don't remember if it was a call or an email from Dave who just said, hey, I heard that Smile was sponsoring your show. What's up with that? And I was just, I I don't know. What do you mean? he's like, well, why – why did you talk to them and not us? And they have been, you know, sponsors ever since. And, um, you know, they've really been there with us since the very beginning. And, and again, I'm, I'm not sure that there would be a Mac Power users without 1Password. And I just want to say congratulations to them today because uh, they released version 6 for Mac. It is a great app. It has got a ton of improvements. You know, we'll we'll talk about this in more detail on future shows and in future ad spots, but just to give you a little teaser of what's going on, um, you can now view all of your vaults together. So whether they're your vaults, whether you, your shared vaults, whether you're, they're your team vaults, they can all be viewed together. They have really upped the game on their one password, password generator. So you can now choose to add special characters. You can now choose to make passwords that are multiple, you uh, Using the word option, so you've got passwords that are comprising of random words, which are great if you need to type them in. And here's one of my favorite features of all: even if you buy one password through the Agile Bit Store and not through the Mac App Store, and you know, here's a hint: if you click on the link in the show notes, you can get a discount buying it through their store. You can now use iCloud Sync. That was previously something that they couldn't do because of some limitations with the Mac App Store. They have worked around that um, now in One Password version six. So Regardless of where you buy it, you can now take advantage of iCloud Sync. And uh, the most amazing thing of all is they are being incredibly generous with their upgrade pricing. Uh, 1Password 6 is a free upgrade for anyone who has uh, version 4 or 5 of 1Password for Mac. Um, all you got to do is check for an update. Um, it's available now as a direct download from their store. If you've got the Mac App Store version, uh, give it a day or two because they're pushing it out to Mac App Store customers as well. So I just wanted to say thanks to our friends at one for their long-term support. Uh, and congratulations on the release of 1Password 6 for Mac. I, I cannot wait to get uh, my hands on it.
0: All right. Our next question is from Brian. What are your most used or favorite workflow.app, the iOS app workflows? David?
3: Wow. <laughs> I have a lot of them. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on what context. Um uh, I wrote one up recently at um Max Barky about how I automated my billing process for the law practice and it makes me giggle every time I do it because it, they get out so ridiculously fast and it's like a mishmash of Hazel and text expander and um, all the other stuff we do on Mac Power user so that's kind of a good one. Um, I talked earlier about the Cooking Ideas show and you know the the idea of OPML Um, the ability to to work on an idea over time but very efficiently um, using mind maps and outlines and all those things that's another workflow that gets me by every day Um, uh, there's just so many I like one of the things I did and we talked this one goes this is really old school Mac powers I think within the first 10 or 15 shows I I talked about uh, I use Hazel to automatically file my bills and that's gotten a lot easier over the years because now Hazel can actually detect the date inside the document and add it to the name of the document. And so now I, I take bills and I just put up my scan snap. I push the blue button and it's automatically named and filed for me. So I don't know. You know, I, I can't just like uh, episodes. I can't pick a favorite workflow. They're all like my little kids. And,
0: you know, you craft them, you raise them just like children. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to ask me for money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Katie, what about you? Would there any workflow app uh workflows that that really that you love? Uh, I I would say that um some
2: of my favorite workflows I I love the Hazel workflows where they can automatically download things and move them around my computer. So um, I, I do a lot of filing of things automatically, and I do an uh, automatic filing of things right now into Evernote. So um, it, it's great at the end of the year. You know, we're recording this right now at the beginning of the year where all of your end of the year reports are coming out, and you're going to need those for tax time. So, you know, you can download, and I have uh, Hazel automatically detect what I've downloaded. Um, open up PDF Pen, run a script. Uh, thank you, Greg, for making that for me. Uh, run a script that will uh, an Apple script that will automatically PDF the contents of a of a of a PDF that is not automatically OCR'd um and then and then it Hazel will be able to kick off and do its magic from there and automatically file something send it to Evernote tag it if it's if it's a tax document and put it in the statement notebook or wherever it needs to go and and that's just magical to see you know to go through get an email say your statement is ready to download it and then that's kind of the last thing that I need to do because it it all takes care of it from there so um you know those are those are great workflows
0: Katie, I have a question directed just to you from Smitty. And Smitty would like to know, what diagram software do you use for estate plan diagrams?
2: Oh, that's that's going to be uh, a disappointing answer because um, most of the times right now when I'm sitting in a meeting with a client, um, you know, I, I'm using just a pen and paper, you know, a legal pad. And and this is you where I'm... It
0: doesn't disappoint me, though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um this this is where I really am thinking about uh uh getting an iPad Pro. This is this is it, sitting in that estate planning meeting is is where an iPad Pro could come in handy for me because that's where I'm taking manual notes, um diagramming with clients and then t- I then take that back and I translate that to something else. Now, when I'm translating it for something and sending it off when I'm not doing it one-on-one in front of a client, um that's when I'm I'm using some of the Omni products like OmniGraffle. And you can make great quick family trees and things like that. And you can do that on iOS and you can do it fairly quickly. But when you're sitting there with a client one-on-one and you're just sketching out something very quickly, um, n- nothing quite beats pen and paper. And, and then I'm running that that through the scanner and saving it to the file. But uh, I, I must admit, I, I have once or twice looked at the Apple Store and looked at buying a, a low-end iPad Pro. Just I think 32 would do for me uh, for that specific use case.
1: David now it's uh it's your turn for a couple of direct questions. Uh Tom was wondering what percentage of your writing is done by dictation.
3: Um that's a good question. Um probably about half of it. Um I mean that's a rough estimate. Lately I've been really enjoying um, Dragon anywhere, although I'm not sure I'll be able to enjoy it any longer because my month subscription is about to run out, and they don't seem to know how to make me re you know renew. <laughs> <laughs> Great business guys,
0: carry on. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: I tried to renew, you know, I don't know what's going on, but uh, but so Dragon anywhere on the iPad Pro has been really uh, stellar. I mean, it's it's significantly better than than um, the dictation built in with Siri because it, like I've got custom words and things in it, so uh, so I dictate a lot. Um, but I also write a lot too. It just kind of depends on the context. I I like to think I'm really flexible about writing Uh, in a perfect world. I'm sitting um, outside in a nice, you know, nice park on a nice day and enjoying the view and holding an iPad pro and writing by dictating. But you know, a lot of times I'll be typing in or doing whatever. So, and also interestingly, it really depends on the type of work I'm doing like emails. I don't dictate so much because they're too short uh but for long form stuff i really like dictation
2: by park he means the park
0: we're gonna get right. to that park a little later on actually so let's not spoil anything right now there's a question <laughs> later on
3: specifically about that
1: <laughs> your, your listeners know you well
3: yeah i know well you know after 300 episodes they probably know me pretty well You know, <laughs> <probably> so. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, David, what does the workflow look like um, when working on one of the uh, field guidebooks? How does how does that go from idea to being something I can download on the iBookstore?
3: Yeah, we I did a whole show on on um, on publishing on self publishing that where I went through that hole, and we'll put that link in the show notes. But the the short version is. Um, it starts out with a, with a, with a mind map in my node pro where I just start, you know, I know kind of idea what I want to do and I start fiddling with it and it might take months in that form until I kind of get it to where I want it. And then I output that to an OPML file that I, um, and currently the current book, I'm working on two books right now. They're both in Ulysses, which is a new for me. Usually I do them in Scrivener, but, um, Ulysses has such great iOS support right now. I'm trying that one out.
0: Let's just say it now that that Scrivener iOS app. It's never coming.
3: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, honestly, I haven't checked in with them in a while. I know it's, I mean, Scrivener does some things that Ulysses doesn't. And I know that's part of the challenge, um, you know, because they want to make it, you know, you know, faithful to the Mac version. But either way, um, so I'm writing Ulysses. Someone's telling me I need to be trying Storyist, so I'm going to be checking that one out. But either way, I put the, the buckets of text somewhere where I can have them compartmentalized. And so that way I can just, you know, choose my target of the day and I'll dictate or type in that text. And as it gets through that process, once I kind of get it going, I move chunks of it into pages where I have an editor that I pay to help you know make sure I don't completely screw up the English language. And um, from there, once the text is in a spot I like, then I start putting it into the iBooks author the big rule here, because I hear from people all the time want to write for iBooks author, uh, do not write text in iBooks author. You don't write your book in iBooks author. You format your book there. And uh, that's the one tip that everybody should know that wants to do that.
0: Like you never write
3: in the web browser, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: David, you mentioned about writing by dictation. I just wanted to know, do you write your legal documents with dictation?
3: Yes, I do. Um, you know, and not like, again, that's probably in the 50% rule. Um, Uh, that that cooking ideas show. I guess that's one of the reasons my favorite is because it really kind of lays bare how I do things, and and I outline. Even you know, if I have to send a detailed letter or a legal brief, it starts for me as an outline, and it's something that I hopefully have enough time that I can kind of like build it over time. And once I've got that to a spot that I am happy with it, the document kind of writes itself. You know, I can just look at a mind map and dictate. And usually get pretty close with um, the, uh, you know, the, the word I usually use for it. I can't say on the podcast, but it's the bad first draft, you know, and um, and I'm happy to dictate that bad first draft. And then I will get the keyboard out and start wordsmithing. But, um, you know, getting that bad first draft in is so much of the battle for anything you want to write.
0: Now, Omar was interested to, to know how you have your desks arranged, Katie. I'll come to you first.
2: Oh, um, very neatly. You know, one of the advantages of going paperless and uh, much to the envy of many of the people in my office is I don't have much on my desk, which is blissfully wonderful. Um, so uh, I've got a... a, a Thirteen-inch MacBook Pro. Well, at home, I've got a thirteen-inch MacBook Pro that's sitting up on a riser, and that kind of sits off to the to the left side of my desk. I, I have a Rode Podcaster on a on a boom arm that is uh, constantly attached to my desk, and then in the in the middle of my desk, so I can look at it straight on. I've got an older Cinema display, so I think it's one of the twenty-four-inch Apple Cinema displays uh, pre-Thunderbolt models. So it's it's just a DisplayPort model. Um, And then I do have a scan snap and a lamp off to the side and then a a pencil jar. But those are really the only things that that. Oh, and a a dock. I have a a fuse dock for my my iPhone. But those are really the only things that that regularly stay on my desk um, other than my my mouse and keyboard. Um, And that's about it. And a coaster.
0: David, how does your desk look?
3: Hmm. Yeah, I'm, it's pretty simple too. Back back when I was in the firm, other lawyers would come to my office and they'd get completely freaked out because it was very sparse. And um, and I, I kind of stayed that way with my home office as well. I, I do have I have my iMac, my Retina iMac, which I love, and I have a pair of focal speakers that I I reviewed like ten years ago. And when I was done, they said you need to send them back now. And I said, well, how much money do I need to give you to keep them? <laughs> I ended up buying them and um, the uh, and I have a Drobo that I keep on the desk. But um, sadly, I have one of those little devices that is illuminated magnifying glass because I'm getting older and sometimes the text is too small to read when somebody sends me something. Uh, The the funny development on my desk over the last probably couple of years is that I have toys now. My my family has reverted to buying me toys, which makes me happy. I've got a a lightsaber, a sonic screwdriver and an R2D2.
0: But that sums you up perfectly
3: yeah i mean it It all works baby
0: katie paul wanted to know if you had to run out of a house and only grab one piece of technology what would it be well
2: i guess i'd have to go with the practical choice um because everything is backed up so it, it doesn't really matter um i guess i'd probably grab my phone so i could call somebody and say my house is on fire I mean, honest. I've I've I had that situation. I mean, thankfully, it was a false alarm. But I I had that situation where the the carbon monoxide alarm actually went off in my house at um, you know, some ungodly hour, like at you know three a.m. or or something like that. And you know, what what did I grab? I grabbed my I grabbed my phone and I I grabbed my my car keys and I just exited the house immediately in in my pajamas and and called the fire department. Uh, and and thankfully it was it was a faulty alarm and it, it wasn't anything bad and was able to come back in a few minutes later but yeah i I guess I'd honestly because, because I feel so confident in my backup strategy if, if it was one of those situations and David we actually talked about this I think on our disaster preparedness episode I would probably be more inclined to grab um if if I only had a few minutes. I would probably be more inclined to grab non tech mementos than I would be technology because you know what? It's all up in back black base back blaze. It's fine. I'll get it later. They'll ship me a hard drive.
0: <laughs> David, what about you? Would you grab your phone?
3: Uh, you know, I was um lovingly gazing at my R2D2 when you asked the question.
4: <laughs>
3: so <laughs> I'm not clear. Is it is the question if I'm going out to work or if the house is on fire?
0: Katie took it as house on fire. I just said, okay. if you had to run out of the house, I like that you went that way with it, Katie, that you just, you, you assumed I meant the house was on
3: fire. Disaster preparedness, Katie. She, yeah. I think she have a fire. Don't you have a fire hat, Katie? I,
2: I I don't think so enough.
3: Maybe that's what she wears while we podcast. The, um the, uh, if it was technology and the house was on fire, I'd probably make sure I got the drobo out because all this stuff is backed up, but I would like to have that data in my hot little hands. But when I'm going out to work these days, I am, uh, my answer has changed in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I have been going out and working remotely and I've been using the iPad pro a lot more than I thought I would for those types of things. Um, So there's your answer in January, 2016.
0: All right. So uh, we have our next group of questions next, and it's a grab bag of, of fun questions. Uh, But before that, Let's take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week, and that is the Omni Group. David, would you like to take this one?
3: Absolutely. Now, the Omni Group is the third in our original sponsor trifecta. <laughs> the Omni Group, One Password, and Smile were the three companies that first came to us and said, We really like what you guys are doing and we want to support you. And all three of those companies uh, over the years have stayed uh, supporting our show. Um, and we are so appreciative of it. And the thing I love about the Omni Group is they their attention. If you ever meet someone from the Omni Group, and I know it's harder now for users to meet these guys because uh, that we don't have MacWorld. But you know, if you ever met people from the Omni Group, you would know immediately why their software is so great because they are all so focused. I feel like it's a very Apple-y kind of company. And when they say they want to make a task manager or an outliner, they don't just want to make one. They want to make the best one. And they have graphic designers and programmers and all these smart people getting together to say, how can we make this the best experience for our users? I love that about them, and I love using their products every day. Um, they, uh, we hear from listeners all the time. I was just seeing in the chat room as we were talking in here, one of the listeners in live chat was saying, yeah, I waited too long to start using OmniFocus, but now that I'm using it, I love it. And uh, that's why we really like sharing the word about this company and the great stuff they do. Uh, they make many applications well, I guess I wouldn't say many. Their, their main are OmniPlan, OmniOutliner, OmniGraffle, and OmniFocus. But in the categories they're in, they're just best in breed all the time. And they're constantly making them better. I was looking uh, the other day. I am now using um, two iPads, an iPhone, and two Macs. And all my data with the Omni Group syncs flawlessly. It's just, it's just another example of why these guys think of all this stuff. It's, it's a great company and great people and great products so uh, i encourage you to go over to the omnigroup.com take a look at their apps they have the 30-day guarantee on all the stuff you buy from them so if you buy it and you're not happy you get your money back but you know what? i bet you're not going to because you're going to love the stuff they've got they've got great instructional videos um they uh, just great products across the board Uh, thank you omni for all of your support of the mac power users over these years and we just love having you as sponsors of the show
1: All right, for the the final set of questions, like Mike said, they're sort of a fun grab bag. Uh, And JT asked a question that uh, I think it threatens the entire Mac Power Users universe. The very fabric of space-time on the show could be in jeopardy on how this is is handled. Now I'm nervous. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to ask Katie first. Vulcan versus Jedi, who wins and how?
2: Well, I I, I have to ask a a follow-up question to answer this question, because is it Spock? Because if it's Spock, Spock wins.
1: If it's Uh, not Spock,
2: then, you know.
1: It is not specified. So I think that you are free to take it in the direction you would like.
2: I'm going to say if it's Spock, Spock always wins because he does. That's (laughs) that's just all there is to it. Uh Otherwise, it you know, it, the Jedis, they're pretty powerful. But, you know, the Jedis all got killed, David, all except, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda. So I don't know what's going on there. They got killed by stormtroopers and the stormtroopers can never shoot anything. So I don't know how that
0: happened. I'm just going to jump in here, Katie, and say if you go by the JJ Universal, the Vulcans
3: got killed, too.
2: Well, but not Spock. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think there should be a podcast called Yoda and Spock having coffee.
2: That'd be great. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, there's no question that Jedi would win. I mean. Not Spock. <laughs>
1: I was short and to the point both of you were on that.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make her too mad at me. I'll be in trouble. <laughs>
1: And it was so obvious how
0: even both of we you were gonna go as well. There was no, there was no let up in that one.
3: Yeah, Liana's in the chat room. She says, "Vulcan nerve pinch requires physical touch. The force does not."
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next question comes from David, and David, this is, I guess, mainly to you too. Uh, what are your favorite places in the Disney parks to escape to and work from?
3: Yeah, I actually have a list of these. I've been keeping track. Um so the uh if you need to, a quiet place and uh, this is probably my most frequent haunt, it's the it's the lobby of the Grand Californian Hotel. It's a um it's kind of a stickly style um, you know, a craftsman hotel. It's gorgeous inside. They have this big fireplace. And um, my wife goes to Disneyland a lot more than I do, but sometimes I'll go up there with her and just sit in a hotel and work. And uh, using your MacBook or your iPad Pro, you can work for hours in there. You can get up and walk around. It's a great place, nice and quiet. Now, the co- most quaint place I would say is the downstairs section of the Hungry Bear Restaurant in Critter Country because the um, the Mark Twain Steamship. Steams by there about every 15 minutes and it feels pretty awesome sitting there writing contracts while the steamship comes by or or outlining podcasts. The only downside to that is if you have a client call and they hear the steam whistle in the background, it's kind of hard to explain.
2: I'm working by the docks today. What? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Things have gotten tough for me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and uh there's there's some other places too, but those are the two best, I would say.
0: Katie, do you have anywhere that you like to be to work in the Disney parks?
2: Ah, uh, I don't. I've gosh, you know, the last time I went to a Disney park was with David, and that was probably—I th- I think I told David it was the first time I was at a Disney park in years. So, not qualified to answer this question, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> uh, Greg would like to know: Is there a legacy Mac app or piece of hardware that you're particularly nostalgic for or miss, Katie?
2: Um you know I I I do miss my original Mac. My very first Mac was a was was the 128 Mac and uh we had it for a while and my dad gave it to my grandfather who then gave it to one of my younger cousins. And if, if I could have that one twenty eight K Mac, that, that would be a Mac that I would set on my shelf. I'm I'm really not a collector. And if I, I was, you know, my house would, would be like Stevens and it would, bad things would happen. So, um, (laughs) but I, but I, I do miss that original Mac. I kind of wish that I had that.
3: David. Yeah. You know, I would kind of go back to one of those toaster Macs, um, um, the SE was one that I was wanted that I couldn't afford. And then I said that once on the show and somebody sent me one, <laughs> and, oh. uh, you know, and it was really nice, but it didn't last very long. I actually had my daughter working on it for a while and I, it just, you know, so much nostalgia. This is where you sound like the old guy, but i just seeing the first time the control panel and the, just the whole interface that Apple came up with, with that original Mac was such a game changer at the time. But, um, I like Katie, I don't keep stuff very much, so I probably don't really have a good answer to that, because I, I did like those toaster Macs.
0: And Rosemary would like to know, if you had an unlimited budget, which vintage Apple product would you buy, David?
3: Hmm, unlimited. Well, you know, it's funny, Rosemary, I, I don't think I would. I mean, honestly, I, I just don't keep that stuff around. I Maybe I'd get an SE working, but I don't know where I'd put it, you know? I guess if I had an unlimited budget, I'd probably have a room for it, you know, but the, um, uh, I'm just not that, I'm just not that nostalgic for it. In a lot of ways. I, I sell my stuff to gazelle when I'm done with it. I don't, I just don't keep the stuff around much.
0: Katie, if you were going to open a wing of a museum, what, uh, <laughs> what vintage Apple products would you buy for it?
2: No, it, it would be that original, um, 128 Mac uh, would be the one that I would, that I would have to have, but, you know, I'd, I've looked at them. I mean, you can get them; they're not they're not horrible to get. But it's I, I don't think I'm that nostalgic for it that I would spend the the thousands of dollars that it would require to to obtain one.
1: I have my answer, but I was not asked. So, uh, the, well, the let's let's answer, hear your answer. Let's hear your answer. <laughs> I think the correct answer for me is the twentieth anniversary Mac, which was this crazy computer Apple sold yeah. for thousands and thousands of dollars and for a period of time if you bought it a man in a suit or a tuxedo with gloves on came and set it up for you because Mm. that was a thing uh super rare and super expensive so they it's not really in my uh to-do list for this year but um it's steven's
0: 30th birthday in a couple of weeks and i was seriously looking you know i was like looking around on ebay and they're like three thousand dollars and I wasn't gonna gonna part with that amount of money. As much as I love you, buddy, yeah. not three thousand. That would worth. change
1: the uh the birthday gift game between the two of us. Like I like where we are now.
4: We're <laughs> yeah. in like the fifty dollars range. So that's pretty good.
1: It's uh, like when you
3: have to mortgage your house to buy a birthday gift. It's probably too much. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> um. Uh, so we've got a question uh, here about about the y'all's relationship with Apple uh david i'll ask you first um what would you do both from like a tech perspective and from a sort of uh business perspective uh what would you do if Apple were to go away were to go out of business and and their products uh were no longer around
3: wow that's a tough one i, I guess i'd have to find i mean like, thankfully they have something like two hundred billion dollars in the bank um but the um, I, I would be looking for some other manufacturer that gives me the same ability to put this stuff together. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of the Apple products is because, you know, they've got the whole widget. And for years I tried to because the legal industry is very PC centric and it was even more so uh, when I was getting started. And I used to try to get things to work together and they would never work together because they're always made by different manufacturers. So I would be looking for the next company that's trying to build the whole widget and is focused more on, you know, you know, the types of decisions Apple makes. I mean, Apple is a very focused company and sometimes they make decisions that don't make sense to people that want things to be flexible I'm kind of rambling, but I guess the the point is Apple has a, a unique set of values they bring to the table. And I'd be looking for a company with similar values.
1: What about you, Katie?
2: I, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things we're we're fortunate is that you know there there are some other options now. You know there there is Android. There's Win- Windows Phone is still a thing, right? I mean, I think it's still a thing
1: mm-hmm. for a couple people. Just yeah. About.
2: I mean, there, there are I, I think someone else would would come and take their place. I, you know, I, I don't think we have to, to worry about it. But, you know, if you're telling me that we have to, then then life goes on. You know, I've been very impressed with how Microsoft has has stepped up their game, um, especially with their iOS offerings recently. But, you know, and and things, I think, are becoming app and platform agnostic now. I mean, that's really where things are going next. Um, you know, the Web is really the next platform.
0: Our final question for the evening comes from Jeff, if you guys were not attorneys, what would your ideal profession be Katie
2: um well i don't i i you know i I'm assuming I can't answer this because we really are really our dual profession i mean this is it this this is the piece that keeps me me sane you know having the 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 ying to the yang i mean don't get me wrong i I love being an attorney and 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 that is that is my career, but the thing that keeps me me grounded. Um, is is doing Mac Power users and and there was a time you know several years ago where where I had to make a choice I had to decide you know did I want to go more down the tech or the geek path to be my professional career um, or or did I want to go to law school and and I decided at that point to go to law school and you know I've I've kind of looked back and thought you know what what is that road not taken would I would I I'd probably be some kind of iOS developer or I'd probably be in 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 graphic design or, or something like that at this point. And I don't think that would have been a bad decision, but um I, I'm happy with the decision that I made. But that that would probably be the the other step.
3: What about you, David? I am. Um, so as a jungle crew skipper off the table, Not at <laughs> I still, all. I still miss doing that on some days, but, but honestly, I really am so happy with the two jobs I have now. So I guess if I wasn't, if the law thing just dried up on me, I would just be doing more of the tech stuff because I really, really love doing it. So I, I can't see myself doing really anything other than those two and maybe shooting hippos once in a while for the jungle crews. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like, Katie, it's interesting for both of us because as the show started to take off, it, it took increasing amounts of time. I mean, the show prep is significant and managing just the business of the show and the listener feedback and all that takes time. And and we both really made a decision at the at the detriment of our day jobs. You know, I mean, I mean, I wasn't as I could have been more present for the day job if I wasn't doing this on the side. And I don't know, you know, financially there's, there's a basis for that, but even more important to me was, um, what, you know, fills my soul more, what makes me feel better. And and there's no question in my mind that uh, if I hadn't done this show that, um, my life would not be as precious as it is. So it really wasn't a question, but the, um, I I cannot get over sometimes how lucky we are to have done this and have it become as successful as it is. And I, I don't even know how it happened to tell you the truth.
0: All right. So we come to the end of our questions. So I just wanted to wrap up with a few words. Um, I want to thank both of you guys for this show that you make every single week, Um, sometimes a little bit more than every week. Uh, It is a real institution. It's a podcast that I've been listening to since I started listening to podcasts before I ever thought about making them. So I have no doubt in my mind that you guys were an inspiration to me. Um, the show is always amazing. You set the bar so high as well for everyone else, which is fantastic for all of us, right? That you guys have been around for longer than most of us have in regards to wanting to do this stuff. So you helped set the bar. Um, and also, thank you so much for deciding to be a part of Relay FM as well. It was an amazing thing for both me, me and Stephen uh, when you guys wanted to look at doing that. And that meant an awful lot. So here's to the next 300 episodes. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to say before we wrap up today?
3: I I have full. I I really believe that there will be 300 more. I mean, as long as Katie will put up with me, I want to keep making them. (laughs)
2: yeah i I agree um, it's It's been a thrill uh, we've I've loved every moment of it I, I can't think of anything else that I would rather be doing uh, than this show with David and, and with this audience uh, and, and Mike and Steven on on this network it's, it's been an honor to to work with you all um, and and we appreciate everything that that you have done for us. so it's been a great ride. Um, and I just want to say thank you to our listeners who have stuck with us for, for 300 shows and as long as you'll have us, we'll keep doing this.